This guy is nuts. Is he really making daily recordings of his possible divorce and releasing it as a podcast? They both cheated on each other. She's making six figures and still doesn't contribute to any joint endeavors financially. Why is she still with him? Why is he still with her? I can't wait for the next episode. This helped me be a better wife. So this is how men think. I hate my husband less now. I understand my wife more now. These are some of the listener comments to the Divorce Diaries podcast. All over the map, I know. These anonymous accounts of events should resonate with anyone that has been married, is married, or is preparing for marriage and helps couples avoid pitfalls as they might prepare for marriage. Entire seasons are released on Patreon weeks before anywhere else at Divorce Diaries Podcast Patreon page. Link in description. Now for today's episode. Divorce Diaries, September 14th, 2020 p.m. Good evening. Rough one. Early today. Two recordings in one day. The um, tough part about everything that's happened today is the ups and the downs. And to be honest, the downs are rough. And the down you heard this morning, the down you heard this morning was me contemplating, not trying again, but just an experiment. And the experiment is um, me just being not living a fact-based life with my wife and just seeing how treating my wife differently, treating her better, but not in the sense of just being a good person. I've, I've always been a good person to her. I mean, not holding my wife accountable, not telling her the truth, letting her snide comments just roll off and not reacting. I'm not doing this for any other reason other than to just see how things pan out. I want to see if the more of a dishonest husband that I am, the more of the opposite person that I actually am inside, which is a person that typically um, holds people accountable. I just basically want to see what is going to make a good husband. What I feel like has happened in the past is when I have been, when I've allowed my wife to do whatever she's wanted and I didn't call her on it, no matter how difficult it made our lives. When my wife started, when when I had joint accounts and I was bringing all the money home and putting it into the account and my my wife's responsibility and I was being a bitch about this. Remember, I was being a bitch. I put the mortgage payment. Oh, I mean, I put all the money into a joint checking account, all the money, except for maybe 200 bucks. 200 bucks would go into another account for me, like every pay. And I would buy, I believe I would buy groceries out of that account. Or maybe I would just fill up gas in my car out of that account. That's what I would do. Gas and incidentals for myself because I was traveling I was in in one state driving to another for work and it was just eating all of my money. And um, I just knew all the money that I had going into the joint account, that was enough to pay the mortgage, but I was such a bitch about finances. I didn't want to watch the money leave my account. Didn't want to watch it leave. So I said, hey, babe, 
can you pay the mortgage and the gas and electric and all the bills this is just goes back a while before everything was auto auto pay because if I just don't look at this account, I won't look at this account going, you know, you throw a couple thousand dollars in there and then you watch the account go down quickly to zero and or sometimes negative. I mean, we were probably, we probably had $50 of disposable income at that time, just 50 bucks. It was not a lot of disposable income at all. And I'm talking maybe over the course of a month, maybe 50 to 150 bucks over the course of a month. So one bad move, one, one really large gas and electric bill, one broken water heater, uh, one toilet leak, one thing that I couldn't fix and handle myself, we were in the shit. I mean, we were in the absolute shit. And that was funny, um, just having no disposable income like that. That was really unsettling for me. I just, I couldn't deal with it. I was a bitch. I, I, I was a man that really felt like he needed to provide. And I knew we had just about enough, almost enough. But what, what it was, looking at that money dwindle down, go to nothing, that was um, hard. Hard for me to watch, hard for me to see, hard for me to look at. And I wanted no parts of it. I, it would make me feel less than a man, or at least it would make me feel less than the man that I wanted to be. Like, oh, you're supposed to be providing, let's just say for round numbers, you're supposed to be providing $10,000 a month so your family can be really happy and you're only providing five. It was just a constant reminder of what I felt potentially was a failure of mine. Sorry if I'm sounding a little bit different. I just had to put my, put my recorder down for a second. I'm back. So, yeah, I just... I didn't want that. Ugh, sorry, I just sometimes I think back to the to, to the tough times, and because I did that, and because I put all that power and control in my wife's hands, my wife made a couple of purchases. I guess maybe I never really have gotten the ground truth, or at least I don't remember the ground truth that I got. She either made a couple of purchases that sort of extended the account, um, overextended, overdrew the account one month, and that compounded to the next month and instead of telling me that that happened she just felt that the burden was hers and the responsibility was hers so she'll put the mortgage on a credit card but she continued spending the money and she would like run it down still not like she would put it on a mortgage payment like let you know less than two hundred dollars that we were overdrawn and then she would still pay out the other stuff. So we would just have like, you know, it would go down to 200, and down to 200, down to 200, down to 200. No, that would never happen. She would just still spend all the money as if we just had less. And she's just like, yeah, we're just getting tighter. We're just, it's just tighter now um, buying the stuff. And I'm just like, wait, I mean, whoa, but I'm, I'm sorry. So four or five months later, after she charged the mortgage payment for five months, I don't remember, maybe it was six, I don't remember, but the over, but, but the um, minimum payments, I already told you that 
the minimum payments were somewhere, the, the disposable income that we had was somewhere between $50 to $150 a month or something that we would have left over after paying every single bill and eating. So no money left over, saving every dime. And all these little things changed. The gas prices would go up. So the money that we had to take home, that would change. You know, there were just obvious things that would continue to happen over and over that would take that money that we had that was about 150 down. Or, hey, why don't we grab pizza tonight? Yeah, sure. I know we got 150 in there. We got 75 bucks extra. I mean, we could spend 40 bucks on some pizza. We could get some wings tonight. Man, I'm getting home really late. I'll just grab some Wendy's. Before long, that $10, $15, $40, you, you really quickly get to your to the end of that disposable income that you had because you don't have much disposable income. And if you have 150 bucks a month to play with and wiggle room, you basically can say you're in the negative. You are not making any money. It's just not something that's happening. Yeah, that's where we are. And that's where we were. And in that time with her charging that the mortgage payment like she did, that created such a high minimum payment. The minimum payment was maybe 400, 500 bucks, something like that. We only had about 150, 50 to 150. Minimum payment 500. We literally don't have the money. We'll be filing bankruptcy and having our house foreclosed on. In, I mean, in just months, like we are in over our heads and we're gonna be underwater. If we don't get out of this as quickly as possible, at least we could leave with just the credit card debt. So we sold the house to one of those, you know, put the sign in the fucking ground, we buy houses, motherfuckers, right? Those scam artists. Um, that take advantage of people like us. And I was, I was very young, had no idea what to do. And, and they coincidentally offered us exactly what our payoff was for the house, plus any of the closing costs and fees. So we could just get our shit out by the end of the month and walk away. And that's exactly what we did. Got rid of all of our shit and walked away so they got a house with equity great deal pretty sure they sold that shortly after for maybe some ten thousand dollar profit and they were done with it absolutely amazing so that's what we did that's what i lost out on on my first house and uh that's okay but um i should not have been such a bitch financially and given my wife all of that power and pushed all of that power away from me. I should have manned up and looked at everything and said, geez, I just, I can't do this. This house is too expensive. I was driving really far. I bit off more than I could chew and I didn't want to face the reality of the mistake that I made as a man. I didn't want to do that. Bada bing, bada boom. Now we are where we are. So, I tell, I tell you guys that because the subsequent events with me saying, hey, I shouldn't have left you high and dry like that. I shouldn't have. I started apologizing even though I should have been the quote unquote man. I'm talking about chivalrous 
um, traditional bullshit patriarchy roles, right? We're in a feminist time. And it's like, hey, you know, a woman can handle that. A woman could do that. I'm still going to say, and I'm still going to take extreme accountability for it and say that I should not have pushed that shit on my wife and then left her alone like that because she couldn't handle it. That was my bad as the leader. That was my fault as the leader. That's my failure and my loss as the leader of the family. And I just left us out there like that and fucked us. Pretty much is what I did. I fucked us. Fucked us bad. I gave her the power to fuck us and fuck us bad and fuck us bad she did. But now, the thing that never happened was I fucked up. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have kept that from you. It's not even about the mistake. I should not have kept that from you. And I continually came back to my wife and said, why did you keep that from me? I held her accountable. Let's rewind. I tried to hold her accountable. Why'd you keep that from me? Why'd you keep that from me? Admit that you kept that from me. Wait, wait, let's, okay. I understand that I, I did this with the mortgage and I gave the money and I didn't check in on you. And she's like, well, I didn't, then I lost my hours because I got pregnant with our other kid. And then I did this and this, th this circumstance, that circumstance. She just kept talking about the circumstances. And I said, I understand the circumstances, but the fact is you had the knowledge that you were using a credit card and I had none of that knowledge. You could have told me, you should have told me. You chose not to tell me. That's your fault. I don't think you should be talking to me like that. And I, if, if I didn't lose my job or if I didn't have to cut back my hours and you should have known. And it was just all this you should have known. You should have known. And I didn't understand what to do with that as a young man, except what I did. And what I did with it as a young man, you're right. I should have known. I was already feeling like shit. Me and my family, me and my wife and some kids are living in my mother's basement now because I fucked up as a man and I fucked up as what I felt was the leader of our house. I fucked up and I fucked up royally. Hearing someone say, you took your eye off the ball. You should have known. It cut me and it cut me deep. And I carried that guilt for so long and so many years. And I think that's why I continue to pay for so much of my wife's shit and let her buy all this bullshit on Amazon. And I would go back and forth between this, like, why the fuck are you buying more, more mugs for our house? Like, we already have enough mugs. Why are you buying more? It's a mug. You can use it for cereal. You can use it for ice cream. You can use it for tea or lattes. And they have sayings on them. And they're cute. And they're painted nice. You are in so much credit card debt. Stop buying fucking mugs. And I'm thinking, like, are you a fucking child? Why can you not temper yourself? I'm angry. I'm going to go eat Nutella now. Oh, my God. And I'm just always looking at my wife like... Oh my God, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why can you not manage yourself and manage your emotion? And I didn't, I didn't walk that back to the whole, oh, you didn't know how to handle the financial shortfall that we had with the mortgage. You couldn't handle that. And your response was to put it on a credit card. And to further the damage, 
you didn't even tell me about it for months until you absolutely had to. And you're like, I don't know what else to do. The more the, the minimums are too much and we're not gonna get out from under it. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. So you just brought me the problem at the end. Boom, problem. And I should have taken it all into account at that time. I should have just understood it all and said, oh my God, you hide things from me. Big things from me. Things that affected our entire family. Our kid was so comfortable, our one kid at that time, where we were so comfortable, so happy where they were. But what you did caused us to leave. And I didn't look at it for what it was, which was actually my bigger failure as a man that I can never, ever, ever get back. My biggest failure was not realizing who I was married to and it ripped what was it was shaky but solid the shaky but solid foundation from our first kid and that kid is the kid that I'm having the biggest issue with now that kid blames me for most of the life's problems that they have the kid's mom is just yeah I'm just you know I'll still enable the kid because I feel guilty about how the kid's life has gone. I feel guilty that his father's been so mean to him, held him so accountable. Those things have eaten me from the inside. And my biggest failure was not realizing that the person that I married was a liar and they were not accountable. So now in my experiment what i'm doing is i'm just going to go through i don't know how long it'll be in my next diary entries i'm just going to go through and hold my wife to zero accountability do nothing but praise her smile acknowledge the bullshit that she talks about and just treat her like a kid that you just want to just give a treat to like nothing negative in fact, just be like more like a grandparent. Just, yeah, here you go. Whatever you want, your parents are going to pick you up. You'll go home spoiled rotten. That's what the fuck your life will be. Go home spoiled rotten. I'll just say, hey, good job. And it's, it's fucking, whoa, man, it's fucking hard. She did literally like eight dumb things today. And I'm like, we're, we're driving. So... There's this thing on her car. Um, Her front tires are wearing really fast on her car. And she's needing to replace her front tires, I would say maybe every year and a half. Every year to every year and a half. Way sooner than you should have to. Like two years sooner than you should have to on a car. Like, I don't know. I've had one of my cars maybe eight years or something like that and I've replaced the tires once. And uh, it's like, yeah, I mean, I just know how to drive it. And yes, I am a more skilled driver than her. I've had a couple of professional driving events with a little bit of training and coaching. So I understand driver dynamics and the physics of the car and when the weights on the front tires versus the rear and how to control weight distribution and tire wear. Ultimately, the proper use of the brake, 
the accelerator and the steering wheel at certain times. That is what will control your car. And when it turns, are your tires sort of sticking in a flat pattern on the asphalt? Or are they sliding subtly, but still sliding as you turn? So if you're driving a little bit too fast and you turn, your car will very subtly slide. And if you're driving a lot slower and you turn, your car won't really slide as it's turning. And I mean that literally, the tires are flat against the ground, but then you turn them, either they're gonna stay flat against the ground and sort of quote unquote stick and then turn your vehicle, or you'll, they'll be flat against the ground. And because your speed is a little too fast, when you turn your wheel, your car will sort of push a little bit. That's what will happen. It'll sort of push. So it's one of those funny things um, that my wife does uh, very poorly when she drives. She always takes her turns too fast. And that is what's wearing her front tires. So over the years, I've said, hey, you know, um, you know that thing I was trying to show you some years ago about like turning and stuff like that? I think if you just take your turns a lot slower and just accelerate as you're slowly straightening the wheel, if you just sort of give it light gas as you're straightening the wheel, that will that will keep you from accelerating while your wheel is turned, which is what's causing your car to push, which is what's wearing your front tires much faster than your rear. So it's ultimately, you're just kind of turning too fast um, or speeding up too much while you're still in the turn. Just, that's it. Just, she did it. She, because like I said, my eyes have been screwed up. I just had surgery and um, I've been healing and I needed a ride somewhere. So she gave me that ride and, uh, and I'm in the car and she's driving that way. And I'm just like, Jesus, thinking, but thinking, I'm not saying anything. I used to comment a lot. I used to be the side seat driver. Whoa, you should really slow down. I mean, her lane changes were just as bad as when I taught her how to drive when we were teenagers. Um, I taught her only how to drive stick. I did not teach her how to drive a car. Her parents kind of lacklusterly taught her how to drive a car, but I sort of tried to help her. So she's just your typical American driver, just not good at it for the most part at all remotely, but gets around. She knows how to move a car from point A to point B. Um, she enjoys stepping on the gas sometimes in, in a straight line and says things like woo or whatever. But as far as understanding driver dynamics or anything like that, no, far cry from that. And that is usually the worst person like me. That's usually the worst person to talk to anyone about driving someone that knows about it. Like, I don't know if you're like, I don't know, Led Zeppelin, a great guitarist, or uh, Lenny Kravitz, a great guitarist, he might actually be the worst person to talk to me about playing guitar. Unless he somehow, unless Lenny Kravitz somehow is the most patient, thoughtful, considerate guitarist that moves through life with the whole I've been there mentality and he's just so uber understanding or like most other people that are really good at something <laughs> we don't teach stuff well where we kind of want to rush you to a point of advancement come on okay do, do, do that again 
nope, not like that, not like that. And we tend to get frustrated because we're looking at something that over the years that we've forgotten how long it took us to become so good at that shit. The th- it took us 20 years to get this fucking good at something. And then we're going to teach the uh, the person that's just picking it up for the first time. We're going to teach them how to do <laughs> what's taken us 20 years to get really good at. We think like, you know, oh, well, I know how to, you know, I mean, two, two weeks. I mean, I, I could have you knowing the basics. It's like the basics, motherfucker. That shit took you three years. So how do you think it's going to take me? Holy crap. It's just like, it's just, it, it's the curse of knowledge, basically. So I am 100% the worst person to be saying anything, especially when my wife already knows that. She knows like, oh, you've been to driving schools. <laughs> so you're going to now try to tell me all that mumbo jumbo bullshit (laughs) i don't i don't need that i can drive and i can drive just fine i don't need to be some pro driver like you're trying to get me to be i'm not trying to get you to be a pro driver i'm just trying to get you not to wear your front tires and i'm just saying drive slower and the physics of the car but i've lost her right there i've lost her and i'm like okay all right got you understood you you just hmm you don't really take advice but i don't give it well so i'm thinking it's a little bit different but actually what just happened you are having a problem with your front tires and it's like and she was coming to me like oh they're saying my front tires oh and tires are so expensive because like i said you fucking cheated on me so i'm not paying for your shit anymore I was paying for your shit when I thought you had a brain. I thought you fucking respected me. I thought you, but now you fucking cheated. You fucking lied. You did a lot of things for a long time behind my back. And now that I'm not cool with that shit anymore. And now I'm just like, oh, if you're going to quote unquote, bite the hand that fucking feeds you, I'm not going to fucking feed you anymore. No, pay for your own cars, your own insurance. Sorry, the gravy train has left the station. You don't get to make $80,000 and only pay for your own fucking gas. You don't get to do that anymore. I'm sorry. And it's agonizing every time we we talk about money now. Because I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not paying for that. <sighs> and she's huffing and puffing. And like I said, she's, she's in the six figures now. And she's like... <sighs> gonna pay my own insurance like what my own car insurance for my car it's like i'm talking to a fucking idiot teenager it's the it's the dumbest shit in the world i swear it is i gotta pay for that like you're gonna make me pay for yes yes it's called adulting and if you're gonna fucking take a car that someone else pays for and go and pick up a guy and like cheat on your husband with that guy that's paying for all of your shit like i'm sorry fuck you like i'm not paying for your shit anymore and thank your lucky stars that i'm such a dumb man and that we've had so much shit between us this whole time that i feel obligated to kids and i feel obligated to you and i feel obligated to I'm just a fucking guilt-ridden, obligated man. Yeah. Just thank your lucky stars. 
that I'm not as callous and cold and that no one coached me up, that no one would have coached me out of the hole. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. How much debt does she have? No, nah, man, you should, um, you should really make sure that 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 make sure that she takes care of that on her own before you guys get married. It's, it's, it's not even about the debt, even if it's five grand, it's not even about the debt. What it's about is, will she be a life partner that will handle and clean up her own messes? Or will she be a life partner that expects you to clean up her life messes? Which type of woman do you want to be married to? That would have been some great advice for me to have. What sort of woman do I want to enter this marriage with? One that has debt or doesn't have debt. One that is going to make a plan on her own to finish her debt. Or am I going to do some Christian bullshit and, oh, well, you know, you're going to marry her. Let's, uh, you know, her debt's your debt. And now that you, you guys are becoming one, so blah, blah, blah. And that sounds really good from the superhero side, from my fucking side. Yeah, that sounds okay from the superhero side that's taking on someone's debt but how does that sound from the other person's side well whoo glad i married him now we are going to pay down my debt oh okay sounds good you guys haven't had the um haven't had the weird exchange yet we're going to pay down my debt so yeah stupid husband like me is thinking oh we will save for our vacation no, 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 no. That never happened. Because I set the tone at the beginning of the fucking marriage where I took on her debt. Her debt became our debt. I had no debt. So, the lack of accountability. So, back to my experiment for the next maybe few days or week. I'm just going to be the man that says like, oh, I'll never hold you accountable and I'll just see how it goes. And I don't know what data points I'm going to get from this. I'm just trying to, it's my diary. So I'm sad. I'm looking for, I'm looking for a pragmatic way to solve my problem. Even more honestly put, I'm looking for a way to not get a divorce. I want a divorce because I feel like a divorce is the only way out of this situation. I want a divorce because I am red-pilled, in a sense, at this point. I understand that what I've done for my wife over the years didn't matter when she fucked someone else. I understand that the public nature that she exploited me when she talked to him after our marriage counseling sessions, while she lied the entire sessions, that I paid for the sessions, that she let me continue to take money away from our family to put into these marriage counseling sessions while she's lying about the affair the entire time. And thanks to me digging through cell phone records, found out that she was having an affair and talking to him during those times really fucked my head up. And because those other things that I didn't let fuck my head up, like I didn't just stick on the fact that we were a family in financial crisis with that first house and you just never told me. 
you didn't even give me a chance to try to solve it. You didn't give me a chance to try to get us out of it. You didn't give me a chance to adjust. Um, I could have maybe stayed down at friends' houses or something to like possibly lessen the amount of money that I was spending on gas. Maybe I could have refinanced the house. I don't really know at the time what my options were because I wasn't given that opportunity and I just ran in fear, sold the house quickly and hastily. So I'm trying to, you know, almost while I'm still with her and um, I just want very much to find a way to keep my family together because I don't want to get a divorce because I don't like the idea of my family being torn apart. I don't like the idea of my kid's mom not living with them or me, their dad, not living with them, potentially. Granted, I, I feel pretty comfortable with my with my kids saying, because shit's gotten ugly and shit's gotten real and they understand what's happening and they're like, dad, I'd be with you. Dad, I'd be with you. Which would make me happy in a perfect world, she would just go away. I get, oh, no, I'll take that back. That's just my anger talking. In a perfect world, she would apologize and she would be extremely accountable. In a perfect world, she would just tell me that she's really sorry. She would tell me how much I mean to her. She would um, like hold me almost with her words. She would give me nothing but facts. I'm sorry I was so stupid for what I did. I wasn't happy, but that isn't an excuse I want to use anymore for why I treated you the way that I treated you. You hurt me and I was hurt, but maybe we can talk about that another day. But to be honest, after all these years, we don't ever have to talk about it again. I was not a good wife to you for a few stretches there. I love you. I wasn't a good wife. I had friends in my ear, but I chose to listen. There's always gonna be guys. I don't have to accept any advances and I did because I wanted to and I wanted to because I was lying to myself and making you out to be way worse than you ever were. You were never a bad guy. You were never a piece of shit, but I treated you like one. And um, that's really all I want to hear from my wife. And there's every part of me, honestly, that knows I'm never going to hear that from her. And that's why I'm making this. Because for me to hear that from my wife, I guess that would have to make her a different person now, wouldn't it? That would have to make her accountable, extremely accountable with extreme ownership. That's what that would have to make my wife. And there's like probably a hundred people in the world who take extreme ownership and are extremely accountable. I hit that mark sometimes, but it takes me a while. I don't know what that classifies me as, if that even gets me anywhere near extreme ownership with extreme accountability. It probably doesn't. I listen to Jocko Wilnick talk about extreme ownership and extreme accountability all the time. And I feel that I'm missing that mark, but I feel I have an understanding of what it is 
and even in this um hey just with this just with this fucking diary entry that i'm gonna that i'm making into a podcast i don't i'm not using my full name so i'm not being accountable i'm not using my name at all i'm not using the names of my loved ones or ages or anything like that (sighs) granted i am having extreme ownership because i'm 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 being totally vulnerable right now and um, everything doesn't come stay secret for long but this is my truth and I am putting it out there and the reason that I'm not using anyone's name as you know is because I'm trying to protect the innocent and if any of these recordings find their way to the public airwaves when these recordings find their way to the public airwaves I don't want any of my loved ones business being spread even if it is my business it's theirs too and I don't want to I don't want to expose that if they don't want that out there and to be honest I don't feel great about it I want the truth out there and I do want my story out there I want people to learn from it actually I actually I don't even want that there's a part of me narcissistically that does, you know, maybe someone could be helped, you know, things that I wish I'd heard. No, not really. I need to vent. I need this. I need this off my chest. I need this exposed. I need, that's what I need. I need it out there. That's what I'm doing. So, I'm greatly appreciative of everyone that listens to my diary i guess it would be a bonus if you can get something out of it but that's not why i'm doing it i'm just in a weird way i'm talking into this microphone this digital diary divorce diaries because i hope even though it it won't happen because it's not public in a perfect world my wife would just listen to this and come to me and just grab me and say she's so sorry and she really really understands what she did to me herself and our family and i feel like you know if that were to happen that doesn't make my wife a unicorn it doesn't make my wife and a unicorn if you don't know this is a term for like you know there's only one out there or only one exists or very few there's like two unicorns in the world or some shit you know there's no such thing as unicorns if you see a unicorn you find a unicorn hold on to a unicorn there are no unicorns everybody's flawed and i also um one other thing i'm being very stubborn and i and i believe that men mature in a cyclical um uh, how can i say it maybe a linear fashion and that um, my personal belief is because of how men mature, men should not get married until they are 35. I'm sorry, men should not consider getting married until they are 35. I think it just takes a while for us to mature, grow, learn, and establish ourselves where we can scratch our man itches. And those itches are being able to provide and usually staying in some craft for some period of time. If you're a blacksmith, you know, getting better at that and welding, being an electrician, whatever, you can kind of climb the quote unquote ladder and you can focus on climbing that ladder without the burden of providing for a wife and possibly children. 
you can get yourself really established and really be that guy that um, has a lot to offer um, a woman and be able to support a family. If she would like to stay home, you have the income to support such a choice. If she wants to work, that's a bonus too, and that's great. But you can provide an environment and atmosphere for her to mother the way that you guys decide she should mother the children. Um, and money's not an issue. Whereas women, I believe that women mature in sort of that hockey stick fashion. Like if you were to look at a stock chart, just kind of boom, accelerates upward, boom, accelerates upward. I believe that's how women mature. So I believe that women do sort of hit their peak maturity, probably somewhere more in their lower 20s. I'm not saying that women don't change, but I don't notice much difference in a teenage girl from a mid-20s girl, mid-20s woman. I don't, it's just silly, goofy, wanna have fun. Girls just wanna have fun. That Cindy Lauper song, it just always rings true to me. Girls, they wanna have fun. And she was a, <laughs> Cindy Lauper was, Lauper was a very, very grown woman when she made that song. But you see girls dancing at weddings when they get drunk. They want to dance on tables. They want to throw their hair around and they want to just be silly and they hate criticism. Girls just really want to have fun. And to allow a girl to have fun, a woman to have fun, you've got to be a mature enough man to understand this is how women typically would like to live their life. And that's what I'm going to allow my wife to do. And in this, these diary entries, I would really like if there was that one extra level of maturity and my wife could get to that place and she would just, like I said, say that she's sorry for everything and she understands she's matured and I feel that she's really turned that corner. In my heart, I know that's not gonna happen, but in a weird way, maybe me making this stupid fucking podcast is gonna just continue to give me a little bit of therapy which can ultimately provide a little bit of help. And um, to me, a little bit of a voice for me. Maybe I even work through some stuff where I can be a better husband for as long as I still am gonna be a husband. I don't know what my chances are. But I guess giving them the shot is better than nothing because I feel like I got a lot on the line with kids. Divorce diaries. I still want a divorce because what other choice is there? Wow, that was the Divorce Diaries podcast. The Daily Saga will continue tomorrow. The full season's episodes are on Patreon now. Subscribe for early access. Click the Patreon link in the description. Hopefully, these entries help our anonymous recorder as a form of his own personal therapy. That's his hope and his intention. Will these recordings of life's curveballs lead this family to the best resolution in the end? We'll keep listening. New episodes are released daily on all podcast players, but all episodes are available on Patreon at Divorce Diaries Podcast Patreon page. Until next time.